Half the battle is back. It's me, Daniel Levy, your host. And man, today is the very special one-year anniversary edition of Half the Battle. So first off, thank you guys for sticking with me for a whole year. It means the world to me. And for all the new listeners of Half the Battle, thank you guys too. So as promised, we got a very stacked show today. First up, we're going to be talking to Bilal Muhammad. You guys know him. He had a fight of the year contender in his UFC debut against Alan Juban. And now he's looking to rebound in Hidalgo, Texas against Augusto Montano. We're going to talk all about that right after that. I'm joined by Chaz the Scrapper Skelly. He's taking on Maximo Blanco in Hidalgo, Texas as well. And we're also going to talk about his last fight with Elkins. And, you know, he made the switch recently to the Black Zillions, which, in my opinion, is the best move he could have done for his career. So, you know we got to go in depth with Chaz Skelly. Then, Damian Brown is going to join us. You guys recall his first round KO at UFC 201. He electrified the crowd. He was the first fight of the night. And now uh, I knew he flew back to Australia, a very happy man, because he's going to be coming back to the UFC to electrify more crowds. Right after that, I'm joined by Chaz the Hybrid Walton, the number one lightweight in all of Georgia. This is a guy that went on Dana White's looking for a fight. He had a seven-second knockout right in front of the boss, and Dana wrote him down on the list of uh, potential guys to look out for because he sees what I see, a future UFC world champion. So definitely listen to my talk with Chaz Walton because he's a future UFC star. I'm telling you right here, right now, in half the battle. Then... We're talking to Gerald Mearshirt. This is a guy that beat, not just beat, but finished Sam Alvey back in the day. And now he's stepping up on short notice to fight 19-year-old Sid Wheeler. This kid, Sid, has a lot of hype on him. And, you know, Joe Riggs pulled out of the fight. So Gerald's taking it on short notice. And it's funny, we had a little Twitter exchange. Uh, my boy Mike Biggie Rhodes, you know, said that Riggs pulled out. And I was like, oh, he pulls a lot. And uh, Gerald thought I was talking about him. So we clear the air right here, right now on half the battle. And then finally, I saved the best for last. We got Tateki Matsuda, the UFC vet. You guys recall his fights with Chris Beal and Joby Sanchez. Very, very close decisions. Ones that I thought he won. But you know what? At least he went out there and put on a very, very exciting performance in both of those fights. So, I mean, you gotta love those exciting fighters. And now he's looking to get back into the big show with a win here at, uh, at Pancrase. Yair Rodriguez and Bruce Leroy Caceres, man, they put on a show, right? Lots of spinning shit in that one, as Nick Diaz would say. And it's cool, man, because with Yair, I've been high on this guy for a long time. You know, I cashed that plus 200 against Charles Rosa. And now he's 5-0 in the UFC. He's beat some very decent guys such as Daniel Hooker, Andre Feely, Bruce Leroy, Charles Rosa. He's, he was ranked number 12 going into the main event against Caceres. So, you know, it's time for a step up in competition, man. If he could go five rounds into altitude throwing all that spinning shit, I wonder what he can do at sea level now that, you know, with that experience behind him. So... I want to see him take on someone like Brian T. City Ortega, Darren Elkins, maybe even uh, Dennis Bermudez or Lamas. I know some people might think that's a big step up, but you know what? This is the UFC. I want to see the best fight the best. I want to see if this kid's really the real deal. So let's test him, man. We, we don't got to protect him. Let's see what he's all about. Now, I know the Salt Lake City card wasn't the best in the world, but you know what? There were some good fights early on the card. That kid, uh, Justin Ledette, showed some very sharp boxing technique. 
Cub Swanson and Kawajiri put on an instant classic. Man, those two went to war. I mean, how can you not love Cub Swanson and Tatsuya Kawajiri? Two bonafide veterans of the sport, two legends. Teruto Ishihara knocked out Horacio Gutierrez in the first round. That was unbelievable. I mean, that, that, that boy's a wild man, right? Yeah. I mean, I heard people talking about how, oh, I don't like how he uh, is always talking about his bitches. That's what they said. And I'm like, look, man, if anyone is going to have a problem with it, it should be the ladies. It shouldn't be you. And uh, apparently the ladies don't have a problem with it, hence why he's getting so many of them. So if they don't have a problem, I don't have a problem. David Timor, the Swedish Muay Thai world champion, he had a beautiful first round KO of Jason Novelli. I mean, did he even get punched in that fight? I know there was a little headbutt and a knee, but I don't think he even took a punch this, the whole fight. That was a clean performance. And Marcin Tibura with the beautiful head kick. Man, he, uh, he proved the hype was for real, and he, he put Victor Pesta out cold. I think that's the last we'll see of Pesta, but much more to come from Marcin Tibura. Now here we go. It's time to talk to Bilal Muhammad. Hope you guys enjoy. Joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is Bilal Muhammad. Bilal, welcome back to Half the Battle, man. Uh, what's up, Mo? Uh, glad to be back. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure. So the two times we spoke, you hadn't made your UFC debut yet. Now you did. You went in there, had what many people consider to be, as of now, the fight of the year. You got a, the fight of the night bonus. It didn't go your way, but you know what, man? At least you got that L out of the way, and now you're poised for a victory at UFC Hidalgo against Montaño. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it was good to get in there, see the feel of it. Uh, it was a huge weekend for the UFC, and... Uh, I gained a lot of fans from it, so that was like the only plus side. But uh, yeah, man, I was just hungry to get back in the cage, and uh, like I was calling my manager right away, telling him to get me back in as soon as possible, because really didn't have no injuries from the fight, so I was training again the next week. So yeah. uh, glad the UFC was able to get me quick. Now I know you're not the kind of guy to make any excuses, but in my opinion, having watched all your fights. I know that wasn't the best Bilal Muhammad we've ever seen. But with that said, your heart goes so far that it can carry you through moments like that. So even not being at 100%, I mean, what did it feel like to fight under those bright lights? Uh, yeah, I'm not going to make any excuses. Joe Ban's a beast. Uh, he's a good guy. He's a beast fighter. So, uh, I mean, it felt good in there. Uh, I got comfortable uh, once the fight went on. And... Uh, I don't think I'll have any jitters or anything yet. My next fight, I'm going to be more comfortable. Uh, it's going to be a bit, uh, quick turnaround, so I'll be a lot uh, a lot more comfortable in the cage and a lot more uh, well-timed in the cage with this fight. Not only that, you'll be fully fed and fully hydrated this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm never going to put that as an excuse. I, I mean, it, it may be tougher mentally to do that, so I'm not going to say anything about that. But, yeah, like uh, I'm going to have a good camp for this fight, and it's going to be a, a really good fight for me, I think. But, I mean, that's what's so cool about what you did, man, because not a lot of guys would do that. You know, there's guys that are higher profile in the top five turning down fights for that reason, but you showed your mental fortitude to go in there and to put on what many people consider to be the fight of the year. I know you won't use it as an excuse, but, I mean, that was unbelievable, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, man, this is, a, this is a sport for fighters, man. If you don't want to fight, uh, why are you in a sport? Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. So with that said, I mean, I know you're going to have more energy this fight. I know you're going to feel better. So is it a matter of you got to a slow start against Juban, or is it just, hey, credit to him, he caught you early? Uh, a little bit of both. You know, I, I, I went in there. Uh, my plan was to go in there and uh, 
our game plan was to wrestle, take him down and uh, stay on top. And if it was a boring fight, it's a boring fight, man. But I got out there, man. I saw the crowd. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm here to put on a show. I'm not going to go in there and wrestle. I want to stand up. I want to bang. And dude, it's hard. So I, I just got caught. But uh, like I said, I, I was able to get back up and then uh, put on a show for the fans. Now, is that the first time you've ever been dropped in a fight before? Uh, yeah, that was the first time I've actually been dropped in a fight before, yeah. So, what's it like for that to happen under the bright lights in your UFC debut? Like, what's going through your mind? Is it just, I gotta get back up and get him back? Or is it like, damn, that just happened on live TV? Like, what, what's going through your mind, man? <laughs> uh, man, it was one of those where it's like, uh, like, I wasn't dazed or anything like that. I got dropped, but then I was like, I was like man, I gotta get back up, I gotta keep moving, I gotta keep moving. I don't know if the ref's gonna stop it, what's the ref thinking? So I just got to show the ref that I was working. And uh, once I got back out to my feet, I'm like, all right, now I got to catch this dude back. So I was like, yeah, uh, forget wrestling, dude. I'm here to bang. Let's go. Let's go. He caught me. I want to get that back. Yeah, now I know tons of people have said to you, man, if that was a five-round fight, you would have finished him. But uh, let me ask you this. In that third round when you were on the off- offensive, did you feel that the finish was near? Uh, yeah, I saw it. Like I said, it was close. Uh, I just needed to push it a little harder. Uh, if I started out right when the third round started, I think I could have finished it by the end of the third round. But I started probably like the halfway point or the uh, two and a half way, two and a half minute point of the third round. And that's when I started feeling fading off, uh, starting just like running, running around, running around. So I feel if I, if, I had a, if I started a little quicker, I would have ended it quicker. Do you think you had enough energy in the tank in that third round to, to finish him? Or, or was it just credit to him, you know, that veteran savvy to get away from you? Oh, yeah, man, I, have I could fight for days, man. Uh, I had the energy to keep going, but uh, he just had that veteran savvy where he was just moving around. And uh, like you said, he had a broken hand, so he's doing uh, a good job of keeping me away from his kicks and just keep moving around so that round ended. So after that fight, I mean, what kind of conversation did you and Alan have? Because I assume when two warriors like yourselves exchange blood, sweat, and tears, maybe not tears, but blood and sweat like that, that you know, you guys have to have formed some kind of bond, at least in the moment. Yeah, it was a respectful thing, man. Uh, it was like he was just like, yeah, you're tough. He's tough. So it was one of those that it was good respect. And then uh, we both went to the hospital to get checked out. And then uh, like he's the one who told me, oh, we got the fifty thousand dollar bonus. So it was one of those where he was excited about that. So speaking of that bonus, man, I mean, I'd have to assume this is the biggest payday of your career. I know you don't do it for the money. I know you do it because you're a true fighter. But that had to have felt good to finally get a nice little big payday in your UFC debut. Yeah, you know, I mean, it felt good to put on a show and then get paid for that show, man. Uh, Like I tell all these guys, you see guys like amateur fighters and everything like that want to sit there and bang on an amateur level. And, uh, like, they lose – you're losing – years off your career if you're sitting there banging for no for you're not getting paid for it so that's why i tell these guys man if you're not just get the win right now if you're on a smaller show just get the win then when you get to the bigger show that's when you put on a big show then you get paid for the big show because there's no point of getting banged out right now early in your career losing uh years off your career and nobody even seen it so you fought in a lot of shows before what was it like to finally be under those bright lights in the ufc uh it was really good man uh like it was it was once Bruce Buffer said my name. That's when I was like, "Dang, okay, this is uh, this is real now." That was when I was, I was like, "Man, I wish I had my phone here so I could have it recorded." <laughs> but it was uh, it was just fun. Once I heard him say my name, that's when it was. That's when I know it was time to work. So you're matched up against Augusto Montano. Now, in my opinion, you know this is one of those situations where you know he's coming off a little a little drug bust and. You know, he might, you know, maybe it's a redemption story for him. I'm not going to talk too much trash about him. 
but it seems to me like they really like your style and you know this guy just popped and well why don't we let uh why don't we let Bilal take care of this guy real quick what do you think about the matchup man yeah man I plan on going in there and uh punishing him for that man like I despise cheaters man I don't like guys that do that type of thing and uh this is a sport where it's about respect and it's about uh having dignity and stuff like that, man. And guys that go out there and pop for steroids and stuff like that, it's going to give me actually motivation to go want to go in there and uh, beat them. Now, uh, I, I can cut this question out, but do you think he's going to be juiced when you guys fight? <laughs> oh, man, who knows, man. Uh, this guy's been out for long, and then he's probably – when you're when you're juicing, that means you're weak mentally. So he'll probably get to the point in the middle of his camp where he's like, am I doing enough? Am I not doing enough? You know what? Maybe I will juice a little bit. But if you juice or not, man, uh, I plan on going in there and landing my fist on his chin, so – they ain't going to help him there. Exactly. Now let me ask you this. How do you go about not underestimating a guy like that? Because you know deep in your mind that you know he's not as mentally strong as you. He's not as skilled as you. But a fight is still a fight, and he's still a UFC caliber fighter. So how, how do you not underestimate him? Uh, yeah, that's the thing, man. I'm, I'm never going to underestimate anybody. Uh, my coach always puts it in my head. Uh, he always says, man, I don't care who you're fighting, whether you're fighting on a big show or small show, man. Just imagine that's like Robocop in front of you. You're going to war with uh, a robot right now. So don't ever think, oh, no, it's an easy fight. I'm still training hard. I'm training with the best people in the world. So uh, they're, they're pushing me to my, to my limits every uh, practice. So basically, you're preparing for an Augusto Montano that we've never seen, a guy that's coming for your head. Yeah, I'm, that's all I'm preparing for. All my training camps are fighting for that belt. So whoever got that belt, that's what I'm preparing for, man. I'm not preparing for the guy in front of me. I'm preparing to get to the next level. Now, real quick, man, because there's a kid on your team, Emmanuel Sanchez, that, man, I think he's so damn good. Like, I think he could be the future of that division, and he kind of got jobbed on his last fight a little bit. I thought he clearly won that fight. Some people might disagree with me. That's fine. But, man, I see so much potential in that kid. What's the limit for Emmanuel? Man, he's a monster. Like, if, like when people say like you work hard, that kid is a, brings it to a whole other level, man. That kid will sit there, go through practices. Uh, he's always the first person there, first last person to leave. And he's always, man, he's just putting overtime. That's what we call him at the gym, overtime, because he's always working hard. And uh, like you see some guys that are like skilled and they're like great athletes, and you're like, all right, man, that, that guy's a monster. Look, look how much natural ability he has. Emmanuel works hard for his ability, man. He wasn't born with it. He like puts the work in, puts the hours in. And uh, that's why I think he's going to be champion, man, because you have to have the mentality to be a champion. And uh, he, he has it. So I think this fight's only going to push him to work harder. So like like you said, man, he got he definitely got robbed. <laughs> but the fact that he probably had, like, I think he had, like, six fights within, like, the last year and a half. So uh, Bellator knows that he's one of the up-and-comers, and I think they're going to keep giving him good fights. And he's just a kid, right? He's only, like, 24, so he's got plenty of time to develop, right? He, he is that young, correct? Yeah, yeah, he's super young, man. He's got plenty of time and plenty of time to get better, too. So uh, he's definitely going to be the face of that organization within the next year. Awesome, man. Well, you're fighting in Hidalgo. It's on the border of Texas and Mexico. You ever been anywhere near that before? <laughs> I actually fought in Mexico before. I fought in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico before, but uh, I was, like, looking online to buy tickets for, like, my brothers and stuff for the, uh, to Hidalgo, and like none of the none of the airports around here go anywhere near that, so I was sitting there like, "Wow, hey, how small is this place?" Yeah. Now let me ask you this: When you fought in Mexico, because there's a co obviously different places in Mexico, was it one of the places that had serious altitude? Uh, it was one of those where I didn't really pay attention to it because that was like my first. Uh, that was like my first pro was supposed to be my first pro fight, but it wasn't like sanctioned or anything like that. So I was just like happy to be on the beach in Mexico. So I was like. 
they offered me the fight, I took it. And I, I didn't even get paid for it. Like, I just got a free <laughs> ticket to Mexico. So I was like, all right, I'll go. So you got a free ticket to Mexico, and uh, I'm assuming you won the fight? Yeah, yeah, I won the fight. So it was, like one of the, it was just basically a vacation. I was there for like a week. That's awesome, man. Well, that's yeah. what's up, man. So how's it going to go down, man? You and Augusto Montano, Hidalgo, Texas, UFC fight night. What, what's going to happen when you two throw down? Uh, man, like before I said when I fought Joe Ben, I said we're going to go in there and steal the show. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to steal the show, man. I'm going to go in there myself. I'm going to uh, bring the pressure hard. I'm going to break him. I'm going to show him that he does need a steroid to stay in that division. Yeah, there you go, man. Now, real quick. So after your fight of the night award uh, award winning fight, I mean, what, what was the first thing you ate, dude? <laughs> uh, man, we were in Vegas, man. So uh, we went like to the Hershey factory over there. I'm a big sweets guy, so I went and got some uh, uh, cookies and stuff. Now you're a Chicago guy. You like pizza? Yeah, yeah, I love pizza down here, man. What's a uh, pardon my ignorance because I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. What's the difference between the Chicago pizza and the New York pizza? I know a lot of people are gonna give me shit for that question, but you can tell me <laughs> firsthand because you're from Chicago. Uh, Chicago pizza is actually the deep dish pizza, man. That's where it was invented. So it's a lot thicker, a lot uh, cheesier, and it's just better than uh, New York style, I think. Yeah, and you, uh, you, you get down on a little deep dish after the fight. Yeah, yeah. After the fight, I'll, I'll go eat bad for like a week, but then uh, back to the grind after that. Yeah, you're back on your diet now, I assume, getting eating clean. <laughs> yeah, I had to get back on there quick, man, because I was in Vegas. We stayed. We ended up staying until uh, like three or four days extra. And uh, it got bad down there. So I was like, yeah, I'll get back to Chicago and start dieting quick. <laughs> there you go, man. Well, Bilal, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Always a pleasure, my man. And best of luck against Montano, man. I'm, I'm going to be tuning in. I know everyone else is going to be tuning in too, bro. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Just let the audience know where to follow you and anything else you want to plug. Now's the time. Yeah, for sure. You can follow me on uh, Twitter at BullyB170, Instagram BullyB170, or just uh, Facebook at uh, Bilal Muhammad. And uh, just shout out to all my people, all my uh, teammates from uh, Roop Sport and Chicago Fight Team, everybody working hard. And congrats to my uh, coach, Lewis Taylor, who just uh, put that Philip Hall's sleep uh, last weekend. So, Oh, yeah. Pro hey, props to him because he was an underdog in that fight. So, you know what I'm saying? Got a root yeah, for Yeah, it's crazy, man. An underdog, he's an underdog to a 4-0 fighter. And he's, he finished his last six fights by guillotine. I'm like, how the heck is he an underdog? Makes no sense. <laughs> And also, props to T. Woodley, you know? I, that was in my hometown, yeah. and I was, like, a, you know, third row. And, dude, that was that electrified the crowd, bro. So, yeah, props to you guys for, you know, getting him ready for that. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, working with the best of here, man. We're on the way to the top. It was funny because right after that knockout happened, uh, Biggie saw me. He pointed at me, and he gave me a, and I told you so moment. So, you know what? <laughs> Props again, man. That's awesome. And, dude, we can't wait to see your fight. Best of luck, brother. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. You have a great day, Bilal. Peace out. You too, bro. Peace. Chaz you're on half the battle, man. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How you doing? Doing excellent, man. So, I mean, dude, we got a lot to talk about. You're obviously taking on Maximo Blanco in Texas, and this is a great matchup. I mean, it kind of reminds me of your fight with Kevin Souza in a way, just in the fact that this guy's going to come out hard early, and it's about you weathering that storm. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, he does come out pretty hard early. I think I think that uh, Kevin Souza was a lot harder of a striking matchup than he is. I think Kevin was posed a lot of problems with one with power, two with uh, length, um, three with just awkward. The way that he threw his strikes was was different, unorthodox a little bit. 
and uh, you know the distance gap was was pretty big. He he had really long limbs, so I think uh, yeah, I think I think that he'll come out. I think Maxwell Blanco will come out harder, faster than uh, Souza did, but I don't think he'll have the striking chops that Souza has. Yeah, he might not have the accurate straight punches, but with Maximo, I mean, obviously you've watched the tape. You know what to look out for. But for the fans listening, you know, Maximo Blanco comes out. He throws big flying knees. He's not opposed to throwing the illegal strike here and there. And, uh, you know, he also has a wrestling background, too. Yeah, yeah. I guess he was a national champion wrestler. Or something. Uh, I don't know exactly his wrestling figure uh, he is. But, he, uh, yeah, I heard he's, he's a good wrestler. You get a chance to check out his last fight against that kid, Luke Sanders. Yeah, I watched. Uh, I've watched all of his fights. Um, it, he looked. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, it, it just looks like he, he throws a lot. He does throw some. Uh, you know, you just gotta watch out in the beginning for that spinning, the wild spinning stuff. You know, and then, and then you know, as it looks like he kind of fades a little bit. Yeah, and I'm guessing that's what you want to capitalize on. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I had uh, my last fight, obviously, I, I went in, I had a terrible camp and went in just horribly out of shape. I, I knew I was, up, you know, um, but, uh, you know, things happen during camp that you just are beyond your control sometimes. Um, and that's not how I generally am. And I'm actually, I mean, right now I feel great, like, just six, I mean, I'm literally in better shape right now at over six weeks out from this fight than I was going into my last fight. Wow, that's incredible, man. You know what, you mentioned your last fight, and, you know, it didn't go your way, but I always say, you know, there's a way that champions face defeat, and there's a way that journeymen face defeat. You face defeat like a champion, man. You're at Black Zillions now, and when I first heard that Chas Skelly was going to the Black Zillions, man, I thought that was the perfect match for you. What do you think, man? Yeah, you know, I came out here for a reason, you know, I think uh, with, you know, they've got, so one, uh, Team Tegon, I never really had uh, training partners my size, high-level training partners my size, and that was an issue that I had to, had to overcome. You know, I had great coaching, but as far as, like, actual training partners my size that were pushing me every day, that's just something I didn't have. And here, there's just a ton of guys, a lot of 55-pounders that are really good, um, you know, a lot of 45 pounds are really good. And so it's, you know, it's, that's definitely huge for me to get in here and go with these guys, these higher, higher level guys. And as I mentioned, you know, you go from one team with great coaching to another team with great coaching. It's just a different, they're, they're different coaches. So it's like, I can, you know, I can keep the things that I've learned from the coaches I've already had. You know, and then I get to add on to that, like, so much new stuff. But I tell you, Henry, Henry Hoos, his, uh, his striking stuff is really, really, really good. You know, I feel like I – and there's another striking coach, Evan, here with him, and I feel like that every day I go in. And we've been spending a lot of time together. Um, you know, since I've been here, I would say we – you know, I've done – I've done uh, – I've, I've, hit, I've hit pads with him. Four, four or five days a week, you know, you know, at least three, four days a week, every, every week since I've been here. And, uh, he's just trying to, he's trying to make me 
technically trying to, you know, improve on the things that I wasn't very good at. And there's, you know, he he's really good at breaking it down, breaking down the striking game. And I, you know, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I, I never, I was never shy about it. You know, that I was more of a brawling style on my feet. I did wasn't very technical. You know, not the most technical striker, uh, but I like to strike, and I'm not afraid to get hit, and I'm not afraid to exchange. And I and I got. And I've got power in my right hand, so that's dangerous for people, you know. But now, now not only I had power in my right hand, but I wasn't throwing punches correctly. So now the amount of power I had in my right hand has increased dramatically just because I'm, I'm actually throwing it right, you know. And I'm setting it up. And I think, I think during this fight I've had enough time, and I'm going to be in sh- You're going to see a completely different fighter, you know, from from a striking standpoint and then you know you got neil melanson um doing the groundwork and that's just it you know there's so much stuff that he brings brings to the table that i've never worked with uh it's just a different style of attack on the ground which actually feeds into my game really well so um and then you know we got greg jones here wrestling wrestling coach uh, I've been doing a lot of wrestling drilling since I've been here too to just sharpen back up because I feel like I've kind of, you know, when you stop drilling and start working on other things so much, you kind of lose, you kind of lose what you had. But I feel like it's all coming together here, perfect for me. I mean, I couldn't, I don't think I could ask for a better camp at this point. Yeah, and you mentioned how you've always had a very powerful right hand, and even if you go back to your last fight against Elkins in that first round, you were tagging him with some beautiful right hands. But you mentioned that. Even though you had that power, you weren't throwing it uh, properly. But now that you're, uh, you know, training or striking with a guy like Henry Hooped, are you expecting to sit people down with that right hand? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I know. I know for a fact. Uh, you know, you're not going to want to get hit with it. That's for sure. I mean, because it just, you know, I mean, think of, if you think about it, when I I was throwing it before and I wasn't throwing it with everything I could. I was throwing a lot of arm punches and I was still hurting people, you know, and then you start putting, you start putting all that, all your body behind it and start. And, you know, I was never throwing punches down the middle because I wasn't like, once again, come on. Once again, I wasn't throwing it correct. So I was, I was. Hey buddy. Sorry, you cut out there. So you said you weren't throwing correctly and then what? Oh yeah. I was throwing and I was throwing looping punches all the time, you know, like all my punches were coming coming at a like a looping angle as opposed to I was never throwing straight punches and now he's straightened out my right hand and uh and it's coming it's coming a lot faster and a lot harder for sure so in a way is it at all more of an incorporation of your lower body to get that power in your right yeah I think so for sure I I, well you know my body uh, I mean I think it's more of (laughs) It's more just making my body work together. My upper body and lower body work together, you know, because I, uh, you know, just turning, just a little, little turn, turning my punches over and and uh, really using my whole body in my punches as opposed to, as opposed to just throwing arm punches. So, dude, I mean, you got so many good training partners to work with, so many bodies. You got guys like Desmond Green, Gilbert Dorinho, Danny Hot Chocolate. I mean, who are some of the guys that you're getting work with? You know, for your fight with Maximo. Uh, you know, I'm getting I'm getting work with everybody here that's around my weight. I think they do a really good job of of uh, 
you know, everybody everybody taking turns with everybody, you know, getting good rotations. But there's even I mean, um Gilbert Burns is here and uh I look forward to grappling with him a lot. PAO's here green. Sean Soriano, I, you know, I fought Sean, and his striking is, you know, legit. Like, his, his kickboxing is really fucking good. Uh, it's a good thing I was taking him down in that fight, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, him and I going together, we're just going to make each other better. Rick's story here, getting ready for his. I've been doing with Rick a lot. Um, you know, I'm sure Jay-Z Calvacante is here. Michael Johnson, I'm going to be, you know, I go with go with Michael Johnson and you know, the, it just goes on and on. I, I think there are, are some Brazilians that I don't know how to pronounce their names and I don't want to, I don't want to butcher them. So there, they have a lot of guys here that people don't, don't even know that are really, really, really good guys, you know? So I think, I think all around, man, the, the training partners, I, I don't think I could ask for very much more. Oh, no, absolutely. And I mean, that's awesome to see other people joining the team, too. You mentioned Rick's story. I think that's the perfect place for a guy like him, too. And what's so great, you know, for you particularly is, you know, you've always been a relentless guy. Your grappling is great. You have that power that you mentioned. But now at a gym like Black Zillions, they can really polish your style and take you to that next level. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, and, you know, one of the cool things about this place is that I feel like every one of the coaches are, are willing to help Every one of the coaches want to be there and are willing to help out, you know. So if I call, you know, if I call any of the coaches and ask if I want to, if they want to work out tomorrow, you know, they're, they're all going to say yes. You know, as long as they're in town, they're, they're all going to say yes. You know, it's, it's not really an issue of getting people and getting personal time because the team – it's not tiny, but it's not too big to where you don't get personal time with the coaches, you know? I think that's a huge advantage. I think that's going to be a huge advantage for me, polishing my style, like you said. Because um, Neil's got a lot, of, a lot of good stuff that I'm going to be able to use on the ground. And then a ton of great stuff that, I mean, I'm going to be able to use striking. And then, you know, Henry and Evan and then uh, Greg, you know, he's, He's just helping me. He's just there running, running me through drills and helping me polish up my wrestling, you know, which has been lacking. There won't be any more, though. I promise you that. You know, I'm, uh, this camp is definitely, definitely going to be a great one. It's been great so far, and it's going to continue to be great. So, Yeah, and I mean, I hate to compare the coaches because they all bring such great things to the table for you, but I mean – Who's really changed your game the most? Is it the striking with Henry Hoof? Is it the grappling with uh, Neil Melanson? Is it your wrestling coach? Who's really made the biggest improvement in your game? I would say, uh, as of right now, I, you know, I've worked with Henry the most. Um, I think that Henry, I've, I've seen the most improvement out of my striking since I've been here. Um, just in an understanding of what I need to be doing, what I was doing wrong, how, how to fix it. And then also how to set people up for strikes, you know, which I wasn't doing before. So I think so far, Henry and I have, have done a good job uh, working together for sure. And, but I, uh, you know, Neil, I've been here a couple of times, people, 
for fights. So I haven't had the opportunity to work with him as much as that we want to. But during this camp, we're going to work a lot together. And I, I'm telling you, man, they, they, they all bring so much to the table that it's really hard to – I've only been here a few weeks, and Henry and I have worked together the most. So, you know, obviously he's he's changed. He's going to continue here because he's just like a, a well of knowledge, you know, with with the striking game. He's just been around it so long and, and you know, himself for so long that it's just like everything he says, you got to kind of take it, you know, you got to take it to goal because, I mean, what are you going to say? <laughs> what are you yeah. going to say to a guy who's been there and done that, you know? So, but uh, I, I'm really looking forward to working more with Neil because he has just a, a ton of great stuff too, man. He, you know, he, from wall wrestling to, to really putting the putting the hurt on somebody when they're on the ground as opposed to just floating and looking for submissions like like I've been doing you know just pressuring them pressuring them keep the, keeping the pressure on and really wearing them down that's something I was lacking in my game and that's something that I'm going to pick up here really well yeah I mean obviously Henry Hooft is amazing but you mentioned Neil Melanson and in my personal opinion he's one of the most underrated coaches in the entire sport. I mean, you recall the fight between Anthony Rumble Johnson and Ryan Bader. It's not like uh, Anthony Rumble knocked him down with a punch and then finished him. He sprawled on the first takedown, and it was one of the most beautiful sprawls I've ever seen. He takes the back, he gets that back mount, and then he pounds him out. That was some uh, beautiful grappling display. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure, you know, and also you got to think with uh, Greg Jones here heading up the wrestling, you know, that's got to give him some credit for that, too. He, he's a uh, I think he does a great job. They, they're, they're both, you know, grappling coaches and, and wrestling coaches, and it, it, they're just – they have different styles. So the good thing about that is you can just pick stuff up from both of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I was going to ask you what you learned from your last fight, but, I mean, you kind of covered it. You, you just realized, hey – if I want to go far in the UFC, I need to change shit up, and that's exactly what you did, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, another thing with that last fight, I think uh, I learned that if you're in the camp, I mean, don't do what you can during the camp. Do every every little thing you can during the camp because you'll regret it later. Like, I had a lot of, a lot of issues during that last camp, and I, I feel like I took time off when, when instead of taking time completely off, I could have been doing other things that still may have been improving me, improving my time off because that's why. Realistically, I mean, I should have still been staying busy doing something, you know. Right. Hey, well, you live, you learn, right? Again, I hope, I hope uh, down the line I see Elkins again uh, for sure. You know, not not taking anything away from him. He's a great fighter. He he's got his style and it works great for him. But you know, he got to he got to fight the worst version of me, and uh, I think I got to fight the best version of him. I would love to see him again down the line. Oh yeah, I'm sure it'll happen down the line. But real quick, just an objective uh, opinion. What what do you think about his grind? Like how relentless is that grind since you've actually experienced it? Oh, really good, man. It's really good. You know, he's he uh he takes shots really well. Um and that's something with his style that if you can take a shot like that and then just keep the pressure and keep the pressure, it's it's really good. I, you know, I really wish I would have had <laughs> three rounds of three rounds of solid cardio in me for that fight. Uh it's 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 tough, you know. A guy like that, you have to go in shape and you have to be completely prepared for the fight or else it's going to be a long night. I mean, it was a long night for me. 
Yeah, but now you got a very interesting opponent, a guy that comes out super fast. He's going to be throwing flying knees at you. He's going to try to take your head off. But uh, the good news for you is if you weather that storm, then it's going to be all you. Yeah, you know, I plan on uh, with him, you know, I don't storm in the beginning. Of course, you know, he's going to come out strong. He's going to come out fast. But, you know, I kind of more plan on him having to weather my storm, to be honest with you. I plan on him having to. It's not. It's not going to be me weathering his storm. Just waiting, waiting for him to wear himself out, throwing all that crazy stuff. He's going to weather my storm because I'm going to stay in his face, you know. And uh, before we get out of here, Chaz, can I get a fight prediction? I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think I'm going to finish it with a with a rear naked choke in the first. Awesome. Well, we can't wait to see that. Well, Chaz, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's always a pleasure, my man. Just let the audience know where to follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Now's the time. Hey, you guys. Uh, yeah, give me a follow at Chaz Skelly. That's uh, Instagram, Facebook, and so it's all the same. And then uh, just say thanks to everybody Black Zillions. You know, I've been out here training hard and and these guys have, uh, they've all been super nice and, and courteous since I've been here. So, see how it turns out. Baby, I think this is going to be a great fight for me. Awesome, brother. Well, we're going to be tuning in as always. And uh, I'll speak to you soon, man. Have a great day. All right, you too. Thanks. Joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is Damian Beatdown Brown. Damian, welcome back to Half the Battle, man. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So, last time we spoke, you hadn't uh, fought an ATL yet. And, dude, you went out there against the Muay Thai world champion. You knocked him out in the first round. I, I didn't expect it to go down like that. But last time we spoke, you said, if I want to knock him out, I'm going to knock him out. If I want to submit him, I'm going to submit him. And I thought it was just a fighter talk, but you really meant it, man. Legit, man. I, you know, I, I, didn't, uh, I don't ever say anything I don't mean or that I don't believe in an interview. You know, like, if I, if I think, if I, think I, I can't knock a guy out, then I'll say, like, you know, I'm probably not going to knock him out. It's probably going to go to a decision. But, no, nah, man, I, I honestly believe that he had holes in his game that I could exploit. And, uh, you know, I knew I didn't have to get into a brawl with him to, to do that. I just had to, you know, stick to my game plan and uh, keep those punches straight and feed him down the pipe. And that's exactly what happened. It was beautiful, man. I mean, a lot of people talk about the right hand that you landed, both of them, and we'll talk about that in a second. But how about that jab you had, man? That jab was pinpoint. A lot of people didn't notice it. I noticed it. Yeah, man. Um, I, I worked like I, I worked a ton during this fight camp of of like uh, setting everything up off my jab and uh, you know ending combos with my jab and you know just use my my jab for everything and and we knew that no matter what I did if I did that then everything else would follow and uh, that's exactly what happened, man. So when the bell rang and this guy comes out and throws a flying roundhouse at your face, I mean. Well, what do you think when that moment happens? I mean, because in training, you got the 16-ounce gloves. Here in the octagon, you got 4-ounce gloves. So it's got to be a different story. Uh, I mean, we spar, we spar every Tuesday, man, with MMA gloves on. So, um, you know, we do MMA sparring every week. And it's, it's not um, anything I haven't seen before. I've got training partners that can do it all, man. You know, I've got training partners that got karate backgrounds and training partners that have got you know, I got Muay Thai champions and guys that have fought at Lumpini Stadium over in Thailand, and you know, I've got, I've got all sorts of training partners here. You know, it's like it's like an Australian version of the Diaz camp over here, man. You know, yeah, we've got a bit of everything, and guys are real good. So 
Um, it's just taking us a little bit a little bit longer because we're a bit behind the times over here in Australia to to, um, to get to that world stage. But you know, we're, we're here to stay now. So it was um, it was a little bit unexpected that that kick. You know, I didn't expect him to do that. He, he didn't really do that in his last fight, but um, it's nothing I haven't seen before. You mentioned the Diaz brothers, and it's funny because when Carlos Condit threw that spinning back fist uh, to Nick Diaz, Nick was like, oh, so we're throwing spinning shit now? So when uh, Cesar threw that flying kick, were you like, oh, so we're throwing flying shit now? Yeah, pretty much. I was like, no, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it, you know? And I, I think I did a jumping front kick or something just before I knocked him out as well. So, you know, um, I think, you know, the way I fight is if, if you don't want me to throw, you know, if, if you want to be violent, be violent with me because it's going to happen back. If you if you want to grapple, grapple. It's like, uh, you know, I, I kind of think I adapt to other people's games pretty well. So, you know, if, if they start throwing flying stuff, then I'll, I'll start throwing it back. And, you know, I'm happy to mix it up, man. You know, if people want to jab their way through a fight, then I'll, they'll have a jab competition, you know what I mean? So, yeah. There you go. So, you know, all fight week, it's funny, on my show and on other people's show, I was saying, you know, Damian Brown's going to use his experience to grind out the victory. And uh, it's funny. So I see you on fight week, right? And it's the day before you cut weight. And I, I was like, fuck, man, he's cutting a lot of weight. You know, maybe the trip over from Australia is messing with him. Then an hour later, I saw Cesar and I was like, damn, that dude is, is huge. I was like, Damien might get his ass whooped. And then you knocked the guy out of the first round. So that put uh, all that to rest. Yeah, man. I, um, you know, I wasn't cutting a lot of weight, man. Um, I didn't use a bath or a sauna. Uh, I hired George Lockhart and he's a fantastic nutritionist, man. And he got me on weight without without having to cut any water. Uh, you know, I, I still did a decent cut that week, but we just did it a little different, you know. And um, and uh, yeah, you know, Caesar was, I guess he was, he wasn't that big, you know. Um, I fought bigger lightweights, but he was kind of tall, you know. I've had a couple of tall opponents in the UFC now, so we'll see what happens next. So, dude, what was it like to finally get your arm raised in the UFC's octagon? Not just to get it raised, but to get it raised after an emphatic victory like that. Oh, man, you know, I um, always dreamt that that first win in the UFC was going to feel pretty special, but I couldn't have, you know, I couldn't have ever imagined that it was going to feel like it did. It was uh, it was pretty incredible, man. Um, it's pretty hard to describe how it felt, but... There were so many emotions going through my mind, and and uh, you know it feels good to get that monkey off your back. It's, it is a little bit of a monkey, you know. No one wants to leave the UFC without a win. So um, yeah, it's uh, I, it's, you know, it's nice to get out of the way, but I, th I think it, you know, it it almost means I got to do it again. You know what I mean? So yeah, can't just do that. You can't be a one-hit wonder. So hopefully, um, my next opponent's aware of that. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I mean, if your two fights in the UFC are any indication, you're going to have a very long career here. Now, dude, word on the street is that the UFC is coming to Australia very soon. You heard anything about it? Uh, November in Australia. Um, they haven't set a venue or a date yet, so um, I think they last time they were talking about it, they were talking about Melbourne or something, but you know, it could be Melbourne or Sydney, no one really knows yet, so um, we'll just wait and see. Um, you know, I emailed the UFC and, you know, I let them know that I'm, I'm fit and healthy and, you know, I want to be on the Australian card and uh, we'll just see what happens.
So you mentioned you contacted them. That was actually going to be my next question. So obviously that's your goal to step in in November, you know, hometown show. But uh, let me ask you this, man. Are you willing to, to, you know, do any short notice fights or is it strictly, you know, you want to fight in Australia next? Nah, look, I, I'll fight anywhere in the world, man. Uh, I, don't, I don't care where I fight or who I fight. Um, but the thing for me is, you know, I hold down a full-time job and um, I need to take eight weeks off work to get ready for competition at this kind of level. So, um, or at least at least six weeks. So, taking a short notice fight, you know, maybe if I win my next two fights, you know, I can uh, get a new contract and, you know, it might be lucrative enough for me to take some time off work permanently for, you know, 12 months or something like that. Then short notice fights will be a possibility because I'll be training all year round. But um, as it stands right now, you know, uh, I train, you know, two or three times a day. Then I might work one or two days, so I only train like once in those two days. And, you know, it's, it's just not enough. It's not consistent enough to be able to take short notice fights. So um, at least for the next two, I'll be taking full camps and, uh, you know, or at least six weeks and we'll, and we'll just see what happens then. How much better did you feel having that full camp under your belt in your uh, sophomore appearance? Oh, man. Um, you know, it's... I've never, I've never done a full, I've done full camps, but I've never done a full camp without working, and I don't think people realise, you know, just, just kind of what, what stress it puts on an athlete when they've got to work a full time job. Um, you know, it's just part of life for us, so we just do it. But it does create a certain amount of, um, you know, added stress or, you know, different body balance, like hormone balances and stuff, having to work shift work and night shifts and stuff. So. Man, I felt I felt amazing. I felt like a completely different person, both physically and mentally. So yeah, it was it was pretty good, man. Well, you looked like a completely different person. I mean, you electrified the crowd. How did Atlanta treat you, man? Atlanta was awesome, man. I'd love to go back there. Um, downtown's a little different. Out in the suburbs, a little different again. You know, it's it's nice and green out in the suburbs. And uh, I got around and had a bit of a look at a few things. Centennial Park's quite nice. Went down there and did some workouts one day and. Uh, yeah, it was, um, Atlanta's a nice city, man. I loved it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, we loved having you there. So you mentioned you actually got to go down to the suburbs a little bit, not just downtown? Well, I needed to do shopping, man. There's no shopping downtown. So, uh, you know, I needed to go out to Whole Foods. And uh, so, you know, I went for a run. I ran halfway out to Whole Foods, like three miles or something like that. And then and then uh, I Ubered it everywhere, man. So I jumped in an Uber and went the rest of the way. And it's quite nice out there, man. There's some nice houses and... Nice areas. It's quite green, so yeah, it was uh, it was nice. The people were wonderful too. People were amazing over in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm biased because I live here, but dude, do they have Uber over in Australia? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. they do. So it's it's a worldwide thing now, huh? Yeah, man, it's in Japan and everything. Wow, that's incredible. Let me ask you this, dude. So. Obviously, you know, this was your first UFC victory. I saw, you know, people tweeting out pictures of you behind, you know, I don't know if it was the Fox desk or one, one of the sports desks. I mean, you're making the victory tour. How does that feel, bro? Oh, it feels amazing, man. Yeah, um, I got home Tuesday morning and there was a, I had a message to see if I wanted to go down to Sydney. So that's about an hour and a half flight from, from where I'm at. And, uh do UFC Fight Week show as a special guest and then um, while I was down there I did the Fox Sports News um, <clears throat> so yeah it's uh, it's nice man you know the MMA is not really mainstream media you know on the mainstream media here in Australia so it's definitely nice to you know 
uh, make waves. And if I had to win over and just won a decision, you know, everyone would have been like, oh, an Aussie won overseas. But, you know, by going over and winning the way I did, I think I brought a little bit more awareness to the sport. And, um, you know, it also gave me a good opportunity to bring a bit more awareness to, you know, uh, military veterans and, and war veterans and stuff as well. So, you know, that's my goal. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. That's badass, man. And obviously you, you got yourself another shot in the UFC, man. So do you think that you have a future in broadcasting once uh, it's time to hang up the gloves down the line? Oh, man, I'd love to, you know. Um, you know, I, I think I'm pretty well-spoken and uh, I think I can analyze fights pretty well. It'd, it'd be nice to have a bit of a gig here and there and, and see how it goes. Um, you know, I don't really have an agent or, or know what everyone does with that kind of stuff. So, you know, we'll see what happens down the line. But, uh I'm a fighter first and foremost, man, and, and I've got plenty more finishes in the UFC to go. You mentioned you wanted to bring awareness to the vets, that that means a lot to you. Do you want to emphasize on that a little bit? Yeah, man, I think, um, you know, veterans here in Australia, like, uh, they got a lot of issues when they come back from war, and, um, you know, they it's sort of like a culture to sweep to the side and and uh, not really recognize it enough. And then, you know, we've got our government, our government don't look after the veterans as well as they should, and... And uh, even when they do, you know, it, it takes like some of them two, three, four years to some longer, some a little bit less to actually go through the system and and get all their, you know, their injuries and conditions approved and start getting a pension or whatnot. Like they just get stuffed around, man, you know, and you can imagine if, if you've got PTSD and depression and anxiety and any other kind of physical injuries, you know, two years, that just breeds even more, um, you know, problems like and we've had, I think from memory, we've had about 200 244, including the one yesterday, veterans who have committed suicide since the war. And, uh, you know, that's like five, six times the amount that were actually killed in the war. You know what I mean? Like, they're just not getting looked after at home. And, and uh, you know, I just think people need to, to reach out to them and make sure they're all right and... Um, and our government, our government needs to stand up and, and take a good look at itself because it's, it's really letting them down. Yeah, I know you don't need any praise, but I want to personally commend you for that. That's that, that's awesome that you're willing to do that, man. And it's not just in Australia. It's over here in the States too. Uh, did you by chance get a chance to uh, talk to Brian Stan? Because I know he's got the whole Hire he- Heroes thing going on that he started. Maybe uh, talk to him about opening one in uh, Australia. Yeah, no, I only had a, I only met him quickly, you know, shook his hand and, and introduced myself. I didn't really have a good chat to him, so, um, you know, maybe next next card around I might get an opportunity to have a talk to him. Yeah, I mean, would that be something you'd be interested in, or are you just trying to do your own thing here? I'm always interested, man, you know, but um, I've got lots of things going on, you know, full-time job, wife, all sorts of stuff, and, uh, you know, family life, and and uh and of course my career as well which i'm still trying to make full time so you know i think i've got plenty of things going on now and if i could just use my position at at this point in time to raise you know a little bit more awareness then um you know i'm doing my job or you know i'm achieving my goals at this stage anyway so maybe down the track yeah that that'd be amazing man and again props to you for that dude so damien before we get out of here man what's next for damien beatdown brown um I don't know, man. I don't make a habit of publicly calling people out, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for a fight that, uh, I'm hoping that, you know, I finish that fight convincingly enough for, um, for them to give me an opponent, which is good for my profile and, uh, another one I can put away and, and, you know, continue building that profile and, and becoming, 
you know, I'm more of a household name and, and someone that people want to see, you know, at the top. So uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, hopefully it's on UFC in Australia next and, um, and we'll go from there. Well, I mean, you already someone that people wanted to see. To take that fight with Patrick on short notice, to put on the valiant effort that you did, then to come back and show what you got with a full camp and knock out the Muay Thai world champion. Uh, you, you'll definitely be back, man. We want to see what you do next, bro. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully uh, Patrick is... Uh Sitting at home thinking to himself, damn, I got lucky. <laughs> yeah, he's actually fighting Stevie Ray. What do you think about that fight? I think Stevie Ray might put him away. Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a fight. Well, Damien, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's always a pleasure, man. Just let the audience know where to follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Now's the time. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Beatdown155. Or uh, check out my website, www.beatdownbrown.com.au. Awesome. Beatdown Brown, it's been a pleasure, my man. And uh, congrats again, man. That was amazing. Thanks heaps, guys. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Have a good day. I'm Joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is the number one lightweight in Georgia, Chaz the Hybrid Walton. Chaz, welcome back to Half the Battle, my man. What's up, man? How's it going? It's going amazing, dude. So, you know, it's funny. I've been saying for a long time that you're the number one lightweight in Georgia, but now it's official. Now you're wearing that uh, that NFC lightweight belt, and no one can dispute that claim anymore. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think uh, I got the respect at this point. I think some people are putting some respect on my name, that's for sure. I mean, it's about time, dude, because it's funny. Going into that fight... They, they were saying the number four lightweight in Georgia. I was, I was shaking my head. I was like, dude, he's been the number one lightweight in Georgia. But it's funny. So you knock this guy out in seven seconds in front of Dana White on looking for a fight. He tells you, hey, you need to get a couple more fights under your belt. Then we're going to give you a call to the big show. So you go out there, three more first-round finishes. Now you're 5-0 and as a pro. And as far as I'm concerned, you're poised to get that call soon. Yeah, um... You know, it's it's one of those things because with the with the Ultimate Fighter, um, that's what he was talking about back then. And with Ultimate Fighter, it's kind of like they have to have my weight class, you know. So it's you know they don't they rarely do an Ultimate Fighter where it's four different weight classes. It's usually one or two. So it's just kind of a waiting game right now, just to see if uh, if that's going to happen or if if they're just going to try to pull me right into the UFC. But, you know, we're just taking it a day at a time right now. Absolutely. Whatever you do, do not sign a contract with that league that starts with the letter B because they like to they like to keep their fighters around and never let them go, if you know what I mean. And the fact that you're on Dana's radar, that's good enough. So, Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best, you know. If it makes money, it makes sense, though. So that's whatever, true. But, Whatever's going to pay the bills, that's what I'm going to do. That's true. If they offer you a deal you can't refuse, that's a different story. But hey, real quick, man, you just found out recently that your wife is expecting your first baby. I mean, congratulations, man, because you've always been a very motivated guy. But I got to imagine your motivation kicked a, a different gear when you found out that news. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely exciting. And I, I, can't, I can't even put into words how much more driven and motivated I, I am and my son's not even here so you know once he's here I, I just feel like it's going to continue to drive me even harder yeah I mean I, I could imagine the same thing having a little uh 
hybrid running around. That's gonna be awesome, man. Yeah, well, for I would say for most people, it'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Now, uh, last time you were on the show, you were the only person to predict Nate Diaz not just beating Conor McGregor, but finishing Conor McGregor. You you had the balls to make that pick, and it came to fruition. Now they're fighting again in two weeks. Who you got in the rematch, man? Man, I gotta say, I'm gonna. I think uh, McGregor is really meticulous in his training camp, and I'm sure that he has trained very specifically for Diaz. But Diaz also didn't have a full camp and beat him. So, man, it's it's hard. But I'm always going to say 209, man. I'm always going to go with the Diaz brothers. I love their style. I've always been a fan of theirs. So I'm going to say Nate is going to take it. I think it might actually be a TKO, though, because I really don't see it going to the ground i don't see mcgregor trying to shoot on nate okay tko you know it's funny i actually think the last fight would have been a tko had he not shot for that takedown oh yeah definitely if he hit him with a couple more it would have been good night irene (laughs) you know what's so cool about this fight though man you know i know you saw rockhold versus bisbing the first time they fought rockhold owned him so the rematch gets set up everyone says rockhold's gonna crush him then bisbing goes out there knocks him out in the first round and he's your new ufc 185 pound champion so anything can happen in the sport yeah no doubt that's why it's so exciting and fun and nerve-wracking about this sport is you can just get hit with a, a jab and it's all over you know yeah, and I mean, you might have a weak chin, but if you get hit with a jab and get knocked out, but <laughs> it, happens. it happens. Yeah, and speaking of which, man, I want to talk to you about flipping that switch. A lot of fighters say that they flip a switch. Some do, some don't. You know, I spoke to Matt Brown, who's a UFC legend. He said, I'm always on. There's no flipping a switch with me. If you want to go right now, we can fight. But with you, you're one of the nicest guys I've ever met, but then you're knocking all these dudes out in the first round. But I, it's not like you're some mean guy. Like, I see you walking into the cage you have a smile on your face so do you flip a switch or is it just a matter of your skills shining when you fight um i mean i i think i wouldn't say that i i flip a switch um because i don't i don't think that i've become someone who i'm not um i think that just i like fighting and getting into fights and i always have and so i don't know it's it's hard to explain I guess in a way you flip a switch because the other person, in my mind, the other person is trying to kill me or get to my wife who's in my corner. So they're trying to kill me or and get to my wife. So that's that, that's why I fight the way I do because I fight as if it's kill or be killed. So I guess maybe I flip a switch a little bit, but I'm able to you know reel it back in immediately. Yeah, you mentioned that, flipping the switch, but you know, it's interesting, because like I said, in your walkouts, I mean, it's not like you look pissed off or angry or anything, you're still composed, you're still the Chaz I know, it's just when you go out there, you're a performer, man. Yeah, I mean, I like, I honestly like being under the lights, I like fighting in front of people, I like the crowd, I I like all of it, you know, even if I get hit and the crowd's like, oh, like, that's still excitement to me, that's still like a... It's still something I'm passionate about, so I just I go out there and I just have fun. You know, that's one thing my corner always stresses. We always have a game plan, and I rarely stick to it because at <laughs> the end of the night, they're they're like, "All right, look, 
just go out there and do you, man. That's what's got what you've been doing. Just go and do you. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. And so that's what I do. I just go and I, I'm just myself, and you know, that's it. And we've spoken about this off air many times. You know, with your style, you you don't like the feeling out process at all. You like to attack your opponents right off the gate. I mean, how did that? Uh, how did that come to fruition? You know, was that your mentality all along? Because I've seen you know your amateur fights. You've come such a long way, but in your pro career, you go for it right away. There's no feeling out process with you. Um, I don't think that. I think that if you're an effective martial artist, there shouldn't. You don't need a feeling out process. Uh, in a real life situation, there isn't a feeling out process. You have to react. You, it's kill or be killed. So again, it's that same mentality. Like I'm not. I don't want to be on the defense. I need the, my opponent to be on the defense. Uh, not only from the beginning, but all the way to the end of the bell. So that's that's my goal. I feel like the best defense is a really good offense. I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, they say uh, defense wins championships. So I 100% agree with that, man. Now, you know, we've spoken many times on Half the Battle, but one thing we've never spoken about is how you got started in fighting. Now, I know firsthand that you got into a couple fights back in the day. What was the first fight you ever got into, man? My first fight? Um, wow. It was... I was actually in band, and it was on... The school bus, I was cleaning my saxophone, and this guy came up and started picking on me and, uh, like, tried smacking me around, and then, you know, one thing led to another, and that was my first fight experience, was in a bus aisle. <laughs> so, Interesting. I mean, was that the catalyst that made you say, you know, maybe I should go train martial arts, or, or did it happen another time, and then you were like, yeah, um, I need to be a pro fighter. I struggled with a lot of like anger as a kid, and my, so my mom, I like to punch and break and kick, and just I'm I have a destructive, I just have destructive tendencies even even outside of fighting. So uh, my mom put me in martial arts when I was younger when she saw I was getting in fights and stuff. So she put me in karate. I was in karate all the way up to my purple belt. And I, I left karate, and I actually started doing uh, – it doesn't really count as anything, but backyard boxing throughout my whole high school career. So, you know, it's – everything. I feel like everything in life has kind of led to fighting in a weird way. But, uh, but yeah, it all started when I was younger, really. Yeah, I want to hear about the backyard boxing in a sec, but real quick, you know, thank God for your mom for putting you in martial arts, dude, because, you know, it's funny you mentioned you had anger issues, because like I said, you're one of the nicest guys I know, so I would never expect that, so it almost seems to me like the martial arts changed your life for the better. Oh, yeah, it martial arts definitely changed my life for the better, and, uh, and even when I strayed away from it and life wasn't going the way I wanted it to, I came right back, so... You know, it's martial arts has been huge in my life. Yeah, exactly, man. So backyard boxing, dude, you did this in high school. You know, <laughs> a lot of great fighters, you know, came up doing the backyard thing, whether it's Jorge Masvidal, even uh, Alex Caceres, who who's about to fight Yair Rodriguez. So tell me about some of your experience doing that, man. How did it go down? Um, I mean, we used to just friends, people from other schools. We would just kind of get together and throw on these cheap, Walmart Everlast boxing gloves, no mouthpiece, and just see who could beat who up. It was just something that we did. Um, 
it wasn't like as extreme as an underground circuit, but I mean, we pretty much did it every weekend for for years. So I got a good bit of experience doing that. That was always fun. Yeah, and even though you know it was just hands and in MMA, you you get to kick, you get to take down, you get to clinch, choke, everything. It was still good to have those live fights under your belt, correct? Yeah, it was, it was a good experience because it was, you know, some people don't know don't don't know if they can get hit, you know. And I I've always known I can take a punch, you know. I've taken punches from guys three times my size, and I've always known I can kind of take a hit. So that's I think it definitely helped me in that aspect and just my defense and just keeping everything sharp when I wasn't in karate, I was still able to do something striking wise and, you know, and it was always fun as well. So that's a plus. So was this after your karate days or was this before? Yeah, this was after like, you know, middle school, high school, um, really high school for the most part. So when you're boxing with these guys, was there ever an instinct to throw a kick? Uh no, I never I never felt the urge to throw a kick. Okay. I, I I pride myself in my ability to be able to switch my styles up. Um I've always been able to do that. So when I'm doing karate I can do straight point fighting with people. I can I can box with, you know, most of the boxers. I can wrestle with the wrestlers. Like I can do things without resorting to my mixed martial arts. I can really break things down separately. So I've, I've always been able to do that. It's never been an issue. So, Chaz, I mean, you're 5-0 and as a pro, all first-round finish. You went 7-0 and as an amateur. How do you bridge the gap of where you are to where you want to be? Um, I don't know, man. I think I need some uh, – I've got some good finishes, but I think I need some tough fights. I think uh, people – some higher-level guys, guys that just recently – were in the UFC or are being watched by the UFC. Uh, I can't, I'm, I'm at the point where I, I'm, you know, going to have to fight other, other undefeated guys. You know, guys with with good good hype behind them. I got to stop hype trains. That's what's going to get me more attention. So, you know, if Warren was on a three fight win streak, that was pretty good. And, you know, there's really no telling what's next. There's a few names being thrown around for. Uh, the future but nothing official yeah you bring up some great points man you know obviously you are five and zero undefeated but it's always good for you know someone that's aspiring to be in the ufc to go beat up a ufc vet you know because whenever you get a ufc vet under your record you know sean shelby joe silva they take note they look at that kind of stuff and you know our buddy uh jordan rinaldi he he did something you know, similar recently, he, he beat up a local guy that was formerly in the UFC. Now he's in the UFC. So is that something that uh, that you're trying to do? Um, I mean, yeah, essentially, I, I need that that person that has that's a vet. Um, not only that's a vet, but is is still kind of has some pull, you know, has some hype behind them, as you will say. But um. But yeah, that's the plan. You gotta you gotta take out some big fish now. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to trying to figure out what fish we wanna take out first. Yeah, absolutely. Now is there anyone you wanna call out? Uh no, I'm not much in the calling out business. Never have been. Um I think the fights kinda make themselves. 
in a way, everything's predestined. So I don't really call people out. I just kind of go with the flow and I train hard. And however the cards fall, they fall. But, um, you know, like I said, I'm not going to waste my time on anybody that's not worth it. So uh, I'll definitely be looking for a, a top level guy, somebody that's going to get me, get me a couple notches higher. Oh yeah, absolutely, and you know that's what we expect to see next, man. Well, Chaz, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's always a pleasure, my man. Let the audience know where to follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Now's the time. Um, you can follow me on uh, the Hybrid Eighty Nine on Twitter and uh, and yeah, just shout out my gym, knuckle up, all my coaches, training partners. Daniel, congrats on your uh, your anniversary of your show. Glad I could get back on here. This time I got a belt, though. You see that? <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, it's good to have you on, brother, and best of luck in your career. I'll see you very soon, my man. All right. Talk to you later, bro. Have a blessed one. You too, brother. Peace out. Joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is Gerald Mershard. Gerald, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure. So, dude, you got the call on short notice. You're filling in for Joe Riggs, and you're taking on Sid Wheeler. How pumped are you, man? I'm really excited. It's been a long time coming for me. I've been uh, out of competition for a little over a year, and I'm just eager to get back in that cage. Yeah, what's kept you out, man? Are these uh, middleweights scared to fight you, or what? Uh, apparently, to be honest with you, because I've been healthy this whole time. I've been training. I stay in the gym. I uh, just haven't got anybody to say yes or if someone says yes and something happens and, uh, you know, one thing leads to another and uh, I end up not fighting. But uh, thankfully, I got that short notice call and I was ready. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And it's funny because yesterday I saw my boy Biggie uh, posting about how Riggs pulled out and I commented. I was like, yeah, Riggs pulls a lot. And I didn't, re you know, I didn't really realize the context of uh, what he was saying. I only saw his first sentence where he said Riggs pulled out. And then you commented because I guess you thought I was talking about you. And you're like, I don't know what that means, but I'm down to fight. And I was like, oh, fuck. He thought I was talking <laughs> about him. But, dude, I was talking about Riggs because this dude pulls out so damn much. And I just wanted to clear that up. Oh, yeah. No, I, I kind of went back and looked at it because I was like, that doesn't make sense that he would be talking to me. And then I figured you must have meant about Riggs because, yeah, like you said, uh, lately he's been pulling out a lot. You know, he's been around forever and a day, and, you know, I don't think he's ever had an easy weight cut, and he fought all over the place. So, you know, that doesn't surprise me, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, dude, this kid Sid that you're fighting, he's 19 years old. He's he's cocky. He's tough. He, You know what I mean? He's got that young spirit about him. But uh, do you think you're going to be the first guy to really teach him a lesson? Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, I don't know much about him. I looked up some video. Uh, he does a couple things decent. Um, he's not terrible anywhere, but he's got a lot to learn yet. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take that young man to school next Saturday. That's awesome. You know, he did show one quality I really liked in his last fight versus Myrie, and it's the fact that, you know, with a lot of guys, they're good being the hammer, but when it comes time to being the nail, they completely fold. With him, he actually overcame some adversity in that fight and then went back to, to finish. So I, I got to give him credit for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're expecting to be any decent fighter, you got to be able to give and take. You know, if you fold under pressure like that, you might as well find a different sport.
<laughs> yeah, well said, my man. So, I mean, dude, for the people that don't know you, you're very experienced. I mean, you finished guys such as Sam Alvey. I know you rematched him. It didn't go your way, but still, you're one and one against a top UFC guy like that. You fought many names in your career. So, I mean, what, what, what's been the deal? I mean, like you said, these guys are scared to fight you, but now you got to fight finally. So for all the fans that haven't really heard about you, I mean, tell, tell me about your background, man. How'd you get into this sport? Well, uh, I started when I was about Sid's age, and, you know, I just wanted to see how tough I was. I looked like a lot of fun, and once I started, I got hooked. And uh, back then, I really didn't have anybody to give me too much direction from the get-go. So I never fought as an amateur. I fought pro rules. We did, you know, full no-holds bar with stomps and soccer kicks and all kind of stuff because, remember, in 2007, you know, the UFC was around and it was gaining popularity, but there was still a lot of smaller, unregulated, you know, Wild West-type shows going on, and I uh, participated in quite a few of those. So uh, it was really a trial by fire, and it was just something I loved doing. And, uh, you know, like you said, I've fought some decent names. Uh, I think I'm still the only person to submit Sam, and I'm one of two people to stop him. He's a tough, tough guy. Um, like you said, we had a second match. He won by a really, really close decision. I, it might have even been a split. I can't remember, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, I fought in other guys. I fought uh, George Lockhart, who, you know, tried to get in the ultimate fighter house and who was a decent fighter. I beat him down in Atlanta, I, you know. Uh, there's a couple different better names I've fought before, and I, like you said, I have a lot of fights. Everybody wants to fight a guy with a good record to make them look good, and you know I have so many fights now. It's either no one's going to want to fight me unless they're in a big show, I guess. Except for Sid, he feels he's ready, so we're going to find out. <laughs> oh yeah, we're going to find out for sure. You mentioned your fight with Lockhart in Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta. I was actually at that fight. I'm looking at the card now. It was uh, when Clay Harvison fought Ran Weathers. So. I've seen you fight before, dude. That's what's up. And you mentioned how you're the only man to submit Sam Alvey. In his opinion, you're the only man to finish him because he feels as if that Derek Brunson stoppage, you know, whether we agree or not, was early. So in Sam Alvey's mind, you're the only man to ever finish him. And, dude, you've also been in there with guys like Kenny Robertson. Now, I know he got you with a leg lock, but was it that same leg lock that uh, he got that... uh, it was. It was oh, that same man. one. Dude, what what was that shit like? What was that what was going through your head? Because you know, you don't often train stuff like that in jujitsu. Uh, you know, it, it was just a funky move. I think he did it a lot in wrestling. You know, he got the back and it's kinda like a, a knee bar hamstring stretch from the back and it was one of those things where uh I'll be honest, at the time I was probably a, a little outclassed. Like he, you know, came up through collegiate wrestling, he was a real tough wrestler. Um, you know, obviously he's done well in the UFC and at the time I had some fights, but I was very green in wrestling. I had okay jujitsu and, you know, okay stand up and, uh, he just saw an opening for his move. I went to stand up and get up, you know, like anybody else would. And he slapped that move on and it's one of those moves where he kind of, you know, maybe someone showed it to him, but I think he kind of just made it up himself. And, uh, it's, you know, obviously effective. I even, you know, I trained with, Ben Askren and uh, Ben, I forget if he, uh, I don't know if it was necessarily a collegiate match, but he was telling me about either he saw him do that move to someone or he tried it on him. Luckily, Ben's flexible enough that he just got out of it and, you know, he's a high caliber wrestler anyway. But it was one of those things I got stuck in it and I didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> Neither of my coaches knew. They were like, man, I don't know what the hell that was. Like, I, I got nothing. <laughs> so I just got stuck there. I 
tried my best to figure out what was going on and get out, but, you know, it got too deep too quick, and I had to tap. Yeah, it was one of those experiences where, you know, you, you can go back now and, and smile about it, in my opinion, unless you're you're so competitive that you want that one back. I mean, how, how do you feel about it going back now? I mean, I mean, you, you just, you know, do you, you look back and smile or what? Well, I'm, I, I don't think about it too much. I mean, it's kind of funny because, you know, now that I can see the move done to someone else, I understand what he was doing and, like, you know, obviously it works and, you know, like me, I'm not the most uh, flexible uh, flexible guy in my hamstrings, but I also wasn't aware that that was even a possibility. So, you know, I kind of just look back at it and laugh now, but of course I don't ever want to lose. And, you know, if I had my way, I'd avenge all my losses, but, you know, he's doing his thing at 170 and I'd have to chop a leg off to make that weight. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> we're good where we're at. So, dude, you mentioned you've had some time off, but I'd assume in that time off you've been putting in some work. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even necessarily call it time off. I've just been in perpetual fight camps. You know, people uh, probably will misunderstand my not fighting for a while. Like, maybe I was trying to take some time to recuperate, but the truth is, no, just no one would fight me. Fights fell through. Guys didn't want to fight. And, you know, the whole time I'm in there, I'm helping uh, Biggie get ready for his uh, VFC fight, winning his title. I just got done helping Tyron Woodley. You know, that was one of his main training partners it was actually me and biggie were two of his main guys helping him get ready for robbie lawler and you know before that everybody else uh cam olsen had to fight on victory too and i'm um, spar with him a lot so i haven't really taken any time off in between then because i always think i'm gonna have a fighter have to be ready for that short notice call so what was it like training with the ufc welterweight champion of the world hey He's the he is the best welterweight in the world, and he showed everybody. It was it was awesome, man. You know, it was, it was a good experience for me to see how a, a top level athlete trains. You know, the way he thinks about stuff and breaks it down. You know, see the amount of work he puts into, and then just to be on the mat with him and you know, kind of see where my skill set is based off you know what we're doing, and you know, it's just a great great positive guy to be around he's not too big to listen to anyone and he's more than willing to you know share his knowledge so it was a, a great experience so when you're training someone to fight a destroyer of men such as Robbie Lawler you know the the welterweight champion and all this and that I mean in the back of your mind like did you have a hundred percent confidence that Woodley was going to do that or were you at all like fuck I mean it's Robbie Lawler uh, I had a hundred and ten percent confidence that he was going to do that I mean, the the whole training camp, the entire preparation, all the drilling, everything, it was, you know, obviously you saw uh, last weekend it was perfect. Like, we couldn't have asked for a better a better training camp. He couldn't have been in better shape. You know, he even said it in an interview somewhere, he was overwhelmed by the amount of ways he could win that fight. Like, it's a great problem to have. And anybody who was in that training room with him, you know, me, Biggie, Dean and Duke and all the other guys that are with us watching him train and helping him get ready. You know, for us, it was a foregone conclusion. Well, you guys predicted it and you guys hit the nail on the head. Congrats, because that was amazing. I was there. You know, it's funny. I was just uh, talking to Bilal and I told him, uh, you know, I was sitting about four or five rows from cage side. After the knockout happened, Biggie pointed to me and he's like, it, it, "We had an I told you so moment." You know what oh, I mean? Oh, that's a, okay. I remember him pointing to somebody. I kind of looked out. I was like, "I don't know who he's pointing at," but I'm just gonna keep going nuts. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, were you there? 
Oh yeah, I was the guy. I was standing right next to him. I was the one with the gorgeous hair. Ah, uh, so you you're the other white boy in the in the in that picture. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there you go, man. Fuck yeah, that it it was amazing, man. You know, just to see someone realize their dream, their lifelong dream. Because you know, I've been watching Woodley since Strike Force, so I've you know I've seen the potential, I've seen the ups and downs, and for him to overcome all of that, and now he's holding that UFC gold belt. I mean, it was an incredible moment, dude. No, for sure. So, dude, I mean, let's get back to you. You're taking on Sid Wheeler. You said the fight's next week. Yep, uh, August 13th. Weight's good? You feeling great? Oh, yeah. Uh, and apparently they're doing it at a catch weight. Um, I guess before Joe had pulled out, he uh, must have been having trouble cutting weight or something. He wanted <laughs> to catch at 200. And, oh, you know, man. I'm not the biggest middleweight in the world. I'm not small, but, you know, I'm not up there at, like, 230 or anything. So that's no problem for me. So basically you're just going to walk in at what you're at now or maybe cut five pounds or what? I might have to do a little bit when I get there, but, you know, I'm healthy. I didn't stop training since I've been back. You know, like I said, I just got off that helping someone else get ready for a big fight. So I'm, you know, I'm as in shape as I need to be. And, you know, you you put it lightly there. You said it was a big fight. I mean, it wasn't just a big fight. It was a UFC (laughs) World Championship fight. It was the fight, yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. So, I mean, having come off a camp like that, I'm sure you're ready to go, man. So, hey, Gerald, before we get out of here, man, how's your fight with Sid Wheeler going to go down, bro? Uh, Well, he's going to learn that he's got a lot to learn, and uh, I can't see it going outside the two rounds. Awesome. Well, that's what the fans like to hear, and we're going to be tuning in for sure. Gerald, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Just let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug, man. Now's the time. All right. If you guys want to check me out on Facebook, it's just my name, Gerald Merchart. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's the underscore real underscore GM3. I'm also on Twitter at the Real GM3, and uh, I'm on Snapchat G E E M3. All right, brother. Thanks for the time, and best of luck in your fight against Sid, man. All right, thank you very much. Joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is Tateki Matsuda. Tateki, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited to talk with you. I'm very excited to talk with you, man. It's my pleasure. So, man, you're taking on Tatsuya So at Pancrase 280. How pumped are you for this fight, man? Uh, I have, uh, it's uh, six weeks old. Uh, um, I mean, like whole, whole, this whole summer, I've, I've been so busy, you know. So I'm, I, all I care about is stay healthy, no injury, you know, get there a little earlier, uh, Make sure no problem with the jet lag and the conditioning and stuff, and just do my job down there. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you brought up the jet lag. How far in advance are you going to Japan to acclimate to the time difference? Uh, thankfully, uh, my whole family is there, so uh, uh, I can get a little earlier. Uh, but I'm thinking um, a year, ten days, or something like that. So I'm. I'm still not sell yet my flight schedule, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm thinking ten days before the flight. So you live in Boston, right? Yes. So how do you uh, go from Japan to Boston? How how did you end up there? 
so pretty much uh, my uh, manager, Tyson Carrier from the uh, top team management, uh, he had a opportunity to work with the Japanese MMA promotion. And uh, obviously I'm from Japan, so uh, uh, I got an uh, opportunity to fight for the tankers. And also, uh, uh, the long story short, uh, we had a hard time to find opponents in local, so, uh, and they gave us the offer, so just took it, and, uh, you know, uh, I'll do my job then. Absolutely, and shout out to Top Game Management, and dude, so you've been working with uh, Mark Delagradi at Sityotong still? Yes. How's that going, man? What's that work been like? Because I know you've been with him for a very long time. Yes, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've been training at the Seattle almost a ten, uh, more than 10 years. I was there when I was 18, so almost like a 12 years. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's been a long time. Uh, but now we have, we growing year by year and we have different fighters. So, uh, I think, uh, I, I have uh, the best environment in uh, the New England area to improve myself. And I just believe in myself and uh, in my teammates and uh, get myself ready for the big show in Japan. Absolutely, man. And for, what's it been like for you to live in the United States, you know, and being that you were born in Japan? Has it been amazing? Is it a totally different experience? What's it been like for you, man? Yeah, uh, so I originally came to the U.S as an international student and many people uh, have asked me, uh, so you're, you're chasing the American dream as a fighter, <laughs> so I hope you you can make it, you know, and I, no, 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 my goal was to change. <laughs> I wanted to um, uh, study sports science in the U.S. and uh, at the beginning, but uh, uh, as I got involved in the uh, MMA field, um, I had an opportunity to train with uh, top UFC fighters. You know, the days Marcus Davis, George Gajel, Kenny Florian, Stephen Bonner, like all like legendary UFC fighters. And uh, at the same time, I felt like, you know, uh, why don't I challenge myself in this field and then see what's going to happen. And, and now, <laughs> now, uh, in building my career, whole my MMA career in the U.S., not in Japan. So, uh, yeah, now here I am. Wow. So when you came over here to become a sports science student, that was before you were a martial artist? Um, kind of. I, I used to play baseball for, for my life. Uh, after the, the last season, uh, I started studying English. Uh, obviously, you need to... <laughs> You need to be ready for studying abroad, and uh, but you know the, I I I used to be very athletic kid, and I stopped playing the sport, and I keep going to the library for the study. I get bored, and then one day, uh, my friend was doing a karate slash kickboxing type of martial arts at the class uh, classroom in school, so uh, that was my uh, first opportunity. To to start the martial arts, and uh, I had a uh, no training experience. I just like playing around, and I had an amateur fight. I won that fight, and that kind of motivated me to get into this field. 
And uh, six months later, I came to U.S. So pretty much, uh, I started martial arts in U.S. with very, very small experience in uh, martial arts. Wow, that's incredible, dude. And you mentioned how you used to play baseball. Baseball is actually pretty popular in, J in Japan, right? Yeah, that's a big sport, like the football here, you know. <laughs> Especially uh, high school baseball in Japan is uh, very, very popular. And what uh, position did you play? I was playing the infielder, uh, like first, first stop and third stop. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not the big, I, I'm not like a big guy. In Japan, baseball players are like, uh, uh, you know, they have a good frame, good athleticism. Uh, so uh, I wanted to pray for the, you know, the higher level. But uh, I, one day, like, I realized my uh, my uh, ability and uh, I'm, I'm not good at, you know, <laughs> dealing with the ball. <laughs> right. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this. Because you were one of the smaller guys on the team, would they make you bat, you know, towards the beginning of the lineup? The reason I ask is because usually the fastest guy is the first guy up to bat. Um, no. But uh, to be honest with you, like, I... I I wasn't, I was not used to the Japanese baseball, like, team system. Like, uh, it's very uh, a traditional relationship, you know, older players are always, you know, better, like, younger guys have to always, you know, respect them and something like that. And uh, I even felt like, you know, the guy playing the same position, um, I wish he could get injured so that I can play. <laughs> like, uh, that, 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 like, I'm not supposed to feel that way. Uh, right, right. Um, on the behalf of the teamwork, you know? But, but when I started in martial arts, uh, my friends came to the fighting venue and then they go, hey, take you out. I got your back. Like, oh, I want to see your fight. Oh, I, I got to... Oh, I feel strong after you, I watch your fight, and like it, it, suddenly my dream came true. Uh, first of all, I signed up. I just, you know, fight. Uh, I suddenly be become a regular member, uh, which never happened in my uh, high school days playing the baseball, and uh, and also uh, my my friends kind of got excited from my performance, which never happened when I was playing baseball. So uh, that, that huge gap kind of moved me a lot. And also uh, uh, many people think uh, martial art is such an individual sport, but uh, uh, I do believe the martial art is team sport. Uh, if you don't have a trained partner, coach, supporters, good luck on your training camp. Yeah. I can do anything without support from the, all the, you know, the supporters and the fans and sponsors. So, uh, yeah, that's my uh, foundation when I was uh, 18. That's how I recognize my, uh, you know, the, the essence of the, the life and the, the being in, uh, being as an athlete. Well, that, that, that was my, uh, you know, the, Short story for my career. 
That's yeah. awesome, man. That's really, really cool. And you mentioned how, you know, baseball is a team sport and some people consider MMA to be an individual sport, but actually you have a whole team behind you. But you know what's so cool about uh, MMA compared to baseball? You know, with baseball, it might be the ninth inning and someone else strikes out to lose the game and you think to yourself, man, if I was up there, I wouldn't have struck out. But in a fight, you can't blame anyone but yourself for what happens in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, so there's no uh, making up for uh, somebody takes MMA, but uh, why um, we so harder and get uh, prepared so hard for them. I believe uh, it is very important to especially in the cage. So that like no regrets, just like I'm gonna be ready to see what's gonna happen in the cage. Obviously, I'm gonna go for a win, uh, but I'm I'm not because there, like there will be no oh I should have or I could have like that's my um, mentality to to get ready for the fight. I don't know other fighters, but personally, that's how I set up my. Yeah, I mean, that's a great mentality to have. I want to quickly talk about your experience in the UFC because you had two great fights. And, you know, I personally thought you won them. I'm sure you feel the same way too. But you know what, man? It was a good experience for you. And since then, you've gone on a two-fight win streak. And I bet you if you win this fight here against Tatsuya, you know, you're going to get that call back soon, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you for words. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh, uh great experience and then uh, I I still do believe I belong there and uh, so that like uh, so that I I never stop I try to stay busy and I got this opportunity 100% all the time and uh, yeah uh, you know the fight is fight win or lose and then uh, at the same time we all professional fighters get paid from the performance and uh, if there's no value um, there's no like um, economical, financial uh, <laughs> things going on. So uh, I I totally understand that this is like a dynamic demand and supply. So uh, uh, I I don't blame it and any like why oh, I gotta release and uh, yeah all my fault uh, but results uh, other results of the you. UFC, so uh, uh, I already accept that, but uh, uh, my vision is just in the future, and especially right now, in the moment, as I said, um, so uh, I'll be ready on September 11th, I'm going to win the uh, I would say not come back, because the, the biggest reason why I got released was my goal was to get in the UFC. Uh, the the biggest lesson I learned from UFC was making UFC is UFC. So uh, uh, yes, uh, my goal is getting back to UFC. But uh, uh, the world is a little bit like weird. Uh, getting back to the UFC is not like. Uh, I, I would say my goal is getting back to the UFC and staying 
my, uh, stay in the UFC. That's my goal. Because the biggest risk, uh, lesson I learned from the two fights in the UFC was making in the UFC is way easier than staying, keep staying in the UFC. So I believe in myself and I, I believe I belong there. I belong to the UFC. So every day, each moment, uh, I'm, I'll be ready to, to get called back, you know? Uh, so, so in the process of getting back to the UFC, I got a opportunity to fight in, fight for the Panthers. Same fight, just another fight. But after this, or I don't know, a couple more fights, I don't know. But I'm ready to get back to the UFC and, uh, and just like keep winning and then stay there. That's my goal. Yeah, man. I mean, obviously, you belong there. The fans want to see you back. But I got to ask you, man, what kinds of lessons did you learn from your experience in the UFC? Because the way uh, you dropped those fights were it was a very close decision. And it's not like you got beat up or anything. It was just a matter of, you know, your opponent taking that top position at the end of the round. So is that something that you've addressed in your training? Uh, yeah, so um, that, yeah, in the... Technical viewpoint, uh, I would say I got to focus on the quality, you know, those like, you know, uh, train so hard under the session and, uh, you know, by myself out, those days are over. Like, I need to, I need to train myself and work on each field such as cage work or stand-up striking or lesson skill, jiu-jitsu skill, all, like, each situational stuff should be uh, meaningful to me all the time. Now, like, I just, it's, like, even, like, light, light drill and uh, it's not, like, a sparring type of train. I have to, like, put the 100% of my focus on the, the quality so that my body reacts in the in that situation because uh, my my um, the two fighting USC uh, of course I was emotional and uh, it wasn't I'd say that um, I didn't uh, overcome my weakness before the fight, at least I could I could train myself to uh, um, to not show my weakness during the fight. So uh, uh, in this field, if you show more than more than fifty percent of what you have in the cage, you 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 did such a great job. Hello? Hey, man. So, Tateki, yeah. I, I want to thank yeah. you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right okay. now on Half the Battle. Just let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to plug. Now's the time, Tateki. Okay. Uh, all my um, the, uh, social media and stuff is uh, tatekitech.com, T-A-T-E-K-I-T-E-C-H, tech. Matsuda, M-A-T-S-U-D-A dot com. And uh, please hold, follow my uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook fan page. And also uh, 
I'm gonna uh, 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 make an announcement for the new T-shirt for my next fight. Uh, I might need uh, a little help from the each fan because uh, I need to um, pay for extra uh, corner guy for uh, for the flight to the Japan. Uh, it's it's pity that uh, <laughs> I'm from Tokyo. Japan, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm a foreign fighter for that. <laughs> so, uh, it's a really weird situation, but I want to bring my uh, uh, best of myself and the team. So uh, uh, just um, you know, um, get uh, I, I'm 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 welcome you guys to the Tech Nation. So uh, we we win together, and uh, uh, it's it's. Support, support, each support is like huge help to me. Awesome. Well, definitely follow Tateki Matsuda. Tateki, thank you again for the time, brother, and uh, best of luck in your fight, man. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Anytime. Have a great day. Yeah. yeah, you too. Bye. Peace. There you have it, folks. The one-year anniversary edition of Half the Battle. Thank you guys so much for sticking with me. The best is yet to come. And for all the new listeners, thank you guys too. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Go to bestfightpicks.com. Follow me on Twitter at bestfightpicks. Half the battle will be back next week. The next fight card is Connor versus Nate, the rematch. Holy shit. It's going to get real when those two lock horns, right? Cannot wait for that one. Going to have to put in a lot of research for that card. Got to come out a winner again. So until the next time, enjoy the fights. (laughs) 